Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Welcome back to America's Heroes Group. Roundtable section is Boots on the Ground. And we have a dynamic partner on the line right now, Mr. Victor LeCroon. Now, he is with Black the Black Veterans Project. Today is Saturday, September 25th. September is National Suicide Prevention Month and also Hispanic Heritage Month. We want to honor those that are in the military and also military veterans across the country and around the world and service members. I'm Sean Claiborne, National Guard veteran, filling in for host Cliff Kelly and Dr. Damon Arnold. Our executive producer is Glenda Smith, and our digital media producer is Ivan Ortega of Scouts Honor Productions. And for this section, we have a great guest, as I mentioned before, Mr. Victor Legrun. Are you with us today? How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? Excellent, excellent. I'm glad to... uh have you on the air with us today. I appreciate you filling in for Damon Arnold. That's always important. And you are a U.S. Army intelligence analyst. You were a 35th Hotel, a veteran, and the director of Strategic Partnerships and Alliances, Diversity and Inclusion for Veterans in, a, in the Greater Los Angeles area. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. Um, you know, now I do most of my work in D.C. Uh, because I spend a lot of time working with uh, the House and making sure that we build the right kind of policies that allow for our veterans of color to have access and utilization of benefits to the VA. Okay. Now you mentioned on your website, something about dynamic storytelling before we get into the fight for equity and talking about the, the black veterans project, more details, what is dynamic storytelling and how do you use that as a tool to get your mission done? Sure. So the part of why dynamic storytelling is so important is because we as African-Americans have to capture and preserve the history and legacy of our service in the military. So we use a number of different tools to capture that legacy. Part of it is doing oral interviews. Um, Often we do video interviews that you'll see on our website as well. And we use different social media techniques and, and, and skills to tell those stories in a way in which everyday people within our communities, but also those who served in the military can understand and relate and really think through those those service members who served before us, who served under challenging conditions, but also served with pride and dignity. Okay. And then so how does that translate into the fight for equity? So you have this, you use these dynamic storytelling to try to tell the story and also uh, educate people about what's going on in the lives of veterans, particularly black veterans. What Describe to me the fight for equity and what are some of the challenges that, that uh, African-Americans face in the military? Sure. So one of the things I want to talk about is how organizations like the Black Veteran Project actually has submitted FOIA requests and taken the VA to court to capture the type of data that we need to tell the story. And what we realize with the data that we have is that Black veterans in particular have faced racial discrimination and also a lack of equity throughout the VA system going back as far as the Civil War. So this really has 
demonstrated that we need to advocate more for our veterans, but we also need to demand better of the systems that we interact with, especially on the federal level. And does this translate and spill over into the veteran world? So when we talk about benefits, when we talk about people getting access to health care, um, we talk about access to education benefits, does this translate and spill over into that world as well? It absolutely does. And I think a great example is to look at how our World War II veterans were treated when they came back. Far too often, African-American veterans came back and were denied access to home ownership benefits, right, which would allow you to build generational wealth, but also denied access to educational benefits. Mm-hmm. Now, zoom in on that for a second. Understand, not to interrupt, yes, but to zoom in on that part, because a lot of people don't realize that, is that when we talk about things, even like the Homestead Act, which was a, a project in the United States to help millions of, uh, of our America, Americans get their first home, African-Americans were excluded from that. But people don't realize it also uh, uh, spilled over into the GI Bill and also into getting a homeownership for veterans um, after World War II. Zoom in on that and describe that process, like what actually happened, so people can be educated about the history of discrimination with African-Americans and veterans' benefits. Sure. So the Homestead Act essentially was created so that we could build what is today known as the suburbs, Mm -hmm. right, the suburban area. So, you know, you have to remember back in the 1940s, there were no suburban communities. And if there were, there were very few that were considered rural communities, not suburban communities. So as service members came back from the war, they started getting factory jobs and, and other other forms of employment. They also sought home ownership, right? Home ownership has always been deemed the American dream. You are considered successful. You also have an opportunity to build wealth and pass that wealth on to generations after you. But when you are denied that access and prevented from buying homes in certain communities, it restricts your ability to build wealth. So for generations, black veterans, black service members were denied access and utilization quite often to educational benefits and home ownership benefits. Mm-hmm. And this is give some dynamic storytelling on my end uh, to, to kind of reiterate what you're talking about. I come from a town called Greenbelt, Maryland. Greenbelt, mm-hmm. Maryland, was is outside of Washington, D.C., was built after World War II. That town was specifically built, the reason why it was called Greenbelt, because it literally had a belt of green trees around the city, um, was built for veterans. It was actually people got money to go in and build communities and build housing and, and get go to great schools in Greenbelt. Uh, but it was mainly for white Americans. It was not for African Americans. That's true. And that's, you know, I'm a Washingtonian, so I, I actually I know that story very well. And my grandfather, for example, after World War II, was one of those veterans who was denied access and utilization of those benefits. So when he came back to the D.C. area and raised his family, he had to face other challenges like the discrimination that we, we mentioned earlier. So if you think about the thousands of veterans who served on World War II and during the Korean War, the level of racist policies that they had to fight against to, to buy homes, to go to school, to start businesses, right? Those things really have created a ripple effect that we see today. And unfortunately, the VA is still not free of some racist practices, and it still does have quite a few instances in which veterans are subjected to both racism, prejudice, and bias. So what are some of the things that are manifesting today with inequity? So we talk about veterans getting access to benefits today in, in 2021, and once again, bringing up the same um, the same script, we have a situation where we have tons of people coming back from Afghanistan, tons of people that are being discharged after the after this war, twenty year war is over with and winding down. 
you know, what types of challenges do African Americans and maybe even people of color, maybe even even transgendered, what do they face coming back from service? You know, so there's a number of challenges, and, and one of the biggest challenges that we see across the country. You know, as I talk to partners in Memphis and in Baltimore and Houston, you know, D.C., Chicago, Detroit, L.A., the theme is pretty consistent, right? Many service members join the military because they come from resource-poor communities mm-hmm. where they want to get educational benefits. They want to develop a skill or a trade. They want to get really good experience. Um, they also want to, you know, build other resources that they can leverage to support their families. But unfortunately, you know, when the military, as you know, when the military is done with you, it's done. Right. And most people return back to the communities or similar communities from which they left. So if you leave a resource poor community and now you're pushed back into that community again, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't have the, so, the resources you need, you don't have accessibility, you don't have someone who can help you with the process, someone who's there to support you in all the right ways, our veterans of color are far more often to fall through the cracks. And, you know, this might mean that you need access to mental health support. This may mean that you need help to go through job, job listings, making sure that you're stably housed so that you don't become homeless. Right? There's a number of factors that impact veterans of color in particular because of the communities that, that they come from, whether they're rural or urban. And this is one of the things we're trying to make sure that there's adequate legislation to address. But we want to, we want to make sure that the VA, HUD, um, the VBA in particular, they are – aware that we're paying attention. They understand that we're looking at what the data tells us because the data can be very revealing. And we want to make sure that we're pushing for equitable access and use of benefits. Mm-hmm. And before we if we uh, move on, I want to have you do this again, but tell people how to get information on Black Veteran Project, the Black Veteran Project, and also how to get involved or get resources from you. Absolutely. So you can find us on, um, on our website, Black Veteran Project. You can also find us on Facebook and in Twitter. Um, many people engage us from different, um, different venues. And, and for us, it's really important that we want to activate veterans, right? We want to help and support veterans to influence policy in their local communities. We want to help veterans go out and educate fellow veterans on how to get access to their benefits. That means not just at the VFW and the American Legion, but every single veteran knows a veteran, right? And we've got to help one another as a community, especially as a black community. Um, I, my best, best example is Harold Washington, who served during World War II, and who credits his ability to be the first mayor by his ability to use his GI Bill and go to college, mm-hmm. right? But when imagine if Harold Washington was discouraged or prevented from using his GI Bill. Mm-hmm. He would not have been the mayor that we know today. That's right. Right. So it's really important that we think about the future of Chicago, the future of black communities, and those future leaders, especially those veterans who come back with a wealth of skills who look to make their communities better. Mm. I'm going to ask you an atomic bomb question. So if, how would you grade the military system as far as a, a tool for benefit? So a young man who or a young woman who's in college or think about going to college, wants to get some money for school, wants to join the military to try to get benefits, how would you grade the ability of the military to improve people's lives, particularly African-American and people of color, people that maybe are transgendered, LBGQ, um, LGBTQ, uh, what would you say is their success rate, um, and not specifically like a number per se, but what would you, how would you grade them? How would you grade the military as far as being a truly a transformative institution to changing people's lives, particularly of people of color? You know, I'm, I'm going to try to make sure I put this comment in context. I would give it a B 
Okay. And the reason that I would give it a B is because there's a wealth of opportunity when you join the military. This is the one place that you can go where you will get real-world experience. You will develop as a leader. You will learn not just your job, but the jobs around your job. You will come out with more skills than you go in with. The challenge for many of our people is that you need, you need to make sure you understand the environment in which you're going in, right? The military is unique to any other environment. You don't have a lot of say-so, but you will have a lot of opportunity. But you have to always be acting in your best interest in the military. And not everyone knows that. Most recruiters are not going to tell you that. So, again, you need to talk to the people within your community, within your network, and your congregations who can help you navigate the system. But once you understand it and learn it, you can learn to use the system to benefit yourself in a lot of ways. I agree with that 100%. I think it's really critical, for, particularly for um, people of color, uh, men and women, to find or connect with uh, resources and groups like yours to understand what is what the challenges are and also what the opportunities are for being in the military. Because the military, I, I agree with you 100% that, I mean, I would I'd probably give, I'd concur with a B grade. Um, I think that's pretty, very accurate and on the nose because of the fact that people are not necessarily prepared as they could be when they have, when a person scores a, a, a perfect score in an ASVAB and, they're, and they get uh, channeled into infantry because, you know, that's because right. they need infantry that day or whatever. But you could have been a nuclear engineer on a, on a nuclear sub or you could have been doing something that, you know, that, that pays $100,000 when you get out of, out of, out of the service. You know, if you knew, 100%. <laughs> if you knew that you could actually that your scores were high enough to get into that particular skill, or what types of things you should be doing in the military, so that you could prepare yourself for leaving the military. And that's a key part. Like it, you, mentorship within the military and outside the military is, is incredibly important because, you know, I was I was fortunate. I had good mentors. I picked an MOS that I knew. Uh, MOS is your military occupational specialty, your job. Mm-hmm. I picked a job knowing that when I got out, I could do something with that skill set. I also obtained a, a secret security clearance. That's extremely valuable in the civilian sector. It allows you to go out here and compete for jobs that many people won't qualify for. Um, I have to be you know, honest and frank when I say that the, the Department of Defense spent hundreds of thousands of dollars to educate me mm-hmm. and to tool me to do the work that I did. And I was really good at it because I committed myself to the work. And, you know, I was medically retired, so I'd left before I was ready to go. But when it was time for me to leave, I also had skills to fall on. So I wasn't jobless. I wasn't homeless. I didn't struggle through some of the other things because I had marketable skills that I could go out and articulate. But, again, for those service members who don't acquire those kind of skills, they have to invest in themselves and find the right – there's courses you can take. While you're in, while you're while you're actually in the military, you can mm-hmm. go to college for free. That's right, and it doesn't tap into your GI Bill at all. Right, right. So there's a ton of other benefits for you, your spouse, and your family members, your dependents that are always there. But we need to educate young people on what those benefits look like. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the great success stories I know is a, is a young man who was a junior ROTC cadet at the city of Chicago. He applied and was accepted into West Point. Now he's a captain over a CAV unit in the military. He's excelling, but he also teaches other young black soldiers how to succeed. And that's the kind of legacy that you get out of Chicago, right? Mm-hmm. You get those people who have always committed themselves to the work, but also commit themselves to each other. And what I want to encourage, especially the black community to think about is, when these service members come back, they're still a part of our community and a part of our families. We have to not only welcome them back, 
but we also have to leverage their skills. We have to tap into because the, this generation of service members, right, post nine eleven nine eleven generation, we are the highest educated generation of service members in the history of the military. That's right. And to understand that means you know that this is a talented group of people who are coming home looking for an opportunity to leverage their talents. And the worst thing that I see is when I see young black veterans come home, know that they're needed, but not find the opportunities to not be connected back to community, to not be welcomed back in a way in which we can benefit from the talents of these people who've proven themselves under some of the most trust, some of the most stressful conditions. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I appreciated training and deploying with young people who were 18, 19 years old, 20 years old, but they were mature enough to handle the responsibility to handle the work, to do the right thing under tough conditions. So when I see those young people, right, and they're coming out, these are the people you want to be firemen. These are the people that you want to be doctors. Mm -hmm. You want to be leaders within your community. You want them in law enforcement because they can make decisions under stress without making bad decisions, right, without mm -hmm. making presidential decisions. So it's, it's important that we think about our community in a very holistic way, how we welcome back the military family, how we support the spouse and the children of our service members, because they have to move around the country at a moment's notice whenever there's new orders issued. Um, it's stressful for everyone. But at the same time, you know, Chicago is one of these cities that every time, every time the nation has called, Chicagoans have answered, right? Mm -hmm. There's a reason why we have a Doughboy statue okay. in Bronzeville, mm -hmm. right? Because this is one of the only units in the entire military that was given the highest award by the French people because of what they achieved in France, how they liberated a village in France. That village still celebrates these black soldiers from Chicago, but mm -hmm. nobody in America talks about it. Right. Right. So people, so people outside of uh, Chicago, to give you some context, so in Bronzeville, which is a 100%. black neighborhood in Chicago, a predominantly black neighborhood in Chicago has a statue of a military veteran, World War One veteran, sitting at the front of that welcomes you into the Bronzeville area. Bronzeville. Absolutely. And you don't see that in most cities, mm -hmm. right? So when I talk to people about why Chicago is so important and why people have such a love for Chicago, especially black Chicago, right? We have a history of service, whether it's in the military or out. Chicago does have that history of service not just Soldier Field, not just Navy Pier, but the people itself. And every single war that this country has called for, black Chicagoans have shown up and have shown out and have done their job and have come home, and they still have to fight for equity and equality within these systems. So it's really important that we, we work together and we be partners, but we be partners for accountability. Um, I really appreciate the work that um, the Cook County Veterans Court does to help defer veterans from having to serve time and to give them other opportunities to serve and get themselves, you know, correct within the justice system. You know, I'm really appreciative of some of the work we're doing with the Cook County President's Office. And, and um, you know, I'm hopeful that we'll be able to make some, some gains with the city of Chicago in the same manner. Um, I think that it's important that we prepare our communities for these veterans when they come back, right? Because people are going to come back to Chicago and they're going to be looking for opportunities. We have to be thinking about how we support one another, whether you're a veteran or not, but especially those who served our country. Mm -hmm. So what would you say to someone who's coming back from overseas or coming back to this from a service? Say they've got uh, discharge or coming out of Camp Lejeune or, or wherever, a young man, a young woman. What's, what's the first step 
would you recommend or would you advise someone that is newly um, donned a civilian again? Um, so they're, they come out of the military service, this is day one of the rest of their lives. What should they be doing right now? You know, the first thing I would encourage young people to do, you know, and I talk to a lot of transitioning veterans, service members at bases, is take some time, right, to figure yourself out, right? Because you're not the person who left home. You're coming back a different person. doesn't mean that you're a worse person. It just means you're different. You've grown up. You've matured. You've seen things that other people haven't seen. So first, figure out who you are. The second thing, which is really critical, is you have to identify your next mission, right? The one thing about the military is it is a very mission-driven environment. So while you're in the machine, while you're in the military, you're used to having a mission every single day that you're focused on achieving all the time. When you get home, you have to find your new mission. And that might be pursuing your educational goals. It may be reestablishing with your family and your community. It may be getting your body healthy again. Um, It could be a number of different things, right? But it's important that they establish a a mission, start start putting a network of supportive people and mentors around them that can give them good guidance. And I always always encourage older veterans to help talk to younger veterans, right? Give them an outlet. Give them a space where they can go and have that conversation that's needed. You know, uh, the biggest thing I want to make sure we all emphasize is that our cities have to be a place of welcoming for our military families when they return. And I hope that the city of Chicago can commit itself to ensuring that as service members come back, especially during September, which is Mental Health Awareness Month, that we have the resources needed to support our veterans so that they don't fall into mental health crisis, so that they don't fall into homelessness or other um, behavioral traits that might be detrimental to their future. Mm-hmm. I think that's I think that's really important. Which two things you mentioned you mentioned finding your mission, which like finding your goal in life. Uh, what is your next mission? I think that's critical. I think that's, that's something we've heard a lot on this show. And then also mentorship, being around people that have been there, done that, that kind of understand what you're going through and you can relate to. One thing I want to bring up the, in the little bit of time we have left is we do see we talk about inequity in the military. We talk about inequity in civilian life particularly for African-Americans, you know, uh, particularly for people of color, people for people that have different sexual orientations. So in that light, what how do we see the declining numbers, particularly with African-American men going into the military? And I'm not advocating joining the military. That's a very personal decision. You have to have a focus and a goal as to what you want to get out of the military. I recommend before you join the military, don't just join the military because your mom said or your dad said or everybody in your family did it. Join the military with a goal and a purpose of what you want to do and get out of the military experience. Um, that will be better. You'll be better served for doing that. But for people who are saying, you know what, the military is just a racist organization. I see how black people get treated. I see how this happened to these groups of people, how people came back from Vietnam, people come back from Afghanistan. What types of things would you, could you say those to those people to open their eyes about the promises that – African-Americans and people, minorities in particular, can get out of the military to benefit from? You know, one of the things that I believe in is that some fights are worth fighting, right? Mm -hmm. And I believe that black people should be everywhere because we have sacrificed everything to build everything in this nation, including Mm -hmm. its military. In fact, we got about 30 seconds. Yes, sir. You know, so I I encourage people to understand that the military is just a microcosm of society. Everything you see in society, you may see in some places in the military. However, I will also say the military integrated before anywhere else in society. So 
there's a future for you if you pursue it, but you have to be committed to it. But at the end of the day, I'm here to welcome all of our veterans back and to make sure they have what they need. And I appreciate you coming on the show, Victor. This was a great conversation. And also, I think you're doing great work also out there in L.A. and also here in Chicago and around the country. Once again, this is Victor LaCroon. Victor LaGroon. I'm sorry, there's a typo on our sheet on the phone there. But the Victor LaGroon, tell us again how to get uh, in contact with Black Veteran Project and how do we get information and how do we get connected to you? Absolutely. You can, you can just Google Black Veteran Project, and you also can find us on social media, both on Facebook and Twitter. And we appreciate your support. I appreciate you. Thanks a lot for joining us. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.